Welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast, bringing together thought leaders in the technology, media, and telecommunications industries to discuss legal issues that are expected to impact today's organizations and tomorrow's marketplace. Kelly Dry Full Spectrum is produced twice monthly, and show notes are available at www.kellydryfullspectrum.com. For more in-depth commentary, head to our blog, comlawmonitor.com. All links are in the show notes. This podcast is produced by the Kelly Dry Communications Practice Group. Welcome to Kelly Dry and Warren's Full Spectrum Podcast. I'm Steve Augustino from the Communications Practice Group, and I'm joined with Jenny Wainwright from our practice group. We are going to be talking today about the TCPA. Our discussion is uh, kind of an in-depth discussion from our TCPA tracker. So we're calling this Inside the TCPA. Today's topic is auto dialers. Um, Now, there's been a lot going on at the FCC regarding TCPA in the last few months. We're not going to cover everything today. This is the first in what we see as a series, trying to go a little bit more in-depth into things that are happening at the commission, into the various petitions that are put forth at the commission. So today, what we're going to talk about is one of the most contentious issues under the TCPA. What is the definition of an auto dialer? Now, this is a threshold issue as it relates to the TCPA because a call is not prohibited unless it comes from equipment that qualifies as an auto dialer and then it's directed to certain types of numbers or certain types of, uh, of services, and we will leave that part of it off. So we're just going to really focus on the threshold issue as it relates to auto dialers. Now, uh, Jenny, I'll let you start here and kind of set the stage a little bit for us. What is an auto dialer under the TCPA? That's a great question <laughs> and a loaded one, too, as, as anybody who follows TCPA litigation and petitions will tell you um, after, what is it, 27 years since the statute's been passed, it is still a question that's out there. Um, so the statute defines an auto dialer as, quote, equipment which has the capacity, A, to store or produce telephone numbers to be called using a random or sequential number generator, and B, to dial such numbers, end quote. Perfectly clear in my mind. (laughs) Not really, actually. Um, So, but setting the stage for what we're going to be talking about today, um, the FCC adopted a very broad interpretation of what is an auto dialer under that statutory definition in 2015, um, focusing really heavily on the word capacity. Um, And so, what they did in 2015 was they defined equipment to be an auto dialer if it had the potential capacity to dial random or sequential numbers, even if that capacity had to be added through a software upgrade or some other switch to the the equipment itself if it wasn't inherent necessarily in the equipment's um, capacity, um, as long as those modifications were not, as the FCC said, too theoretical or too attenuated. That definition, as you can imagine, was very problematic from an industry standpoint because it was very broadly worded. And in fact, the FCC acknowledged that, yes, regular smartphones that people use every day could be included in that definition. And the only express carve-out that they were able to come up with was um, an old-school rotary dial phone, uh, (laughs) which we don't see too many of these days. So yeah. I, I'm not sure there are any out there still. Um, but <laughs> it, it's interesting. You're right. From when, when the FCC adopts a rule and the only thing it can exclude from that is obsolete equipment that almost nobody is ever using, um, it at least presents a challenge for the appeal. 
And and we did see that, right? This The 2015 order was appealed. Um, it was brought up in a case called ACA International versus FCC. There were several other petitioners in addition to ACA. Um, and it was uh, quite an interesting oral argument. It was supposed to be 20 minutes per side, and the court spent almost three hours. And the vast majority of that was dealing with this auto-dialer question. With It was originally presented as what is the capacity and is that present capacity versus future capacity, as you talked about, or how much, how attenuated should that be? But um, for the court, you know, I was there watching this, and it was really interesting. Immediately, all three judges were really focused on the smartphones and the use of the smartphones and the breadth of the definition of auto dialer as it applied to smartphone and therefore um, types of calls that you might make from your smartphones. And there were several of the judges that were really concerned and raised questions about the risk of strict liability if you were to call your parents or call your sister and didn't didn't get that consent ahead of time on that. So um, a lot of time was put into this and then a lot of time was put into Drafting the opinion by the court, we waited a long, long time for it, but we did get it this March, right? So, um, so Jenny, give me a little bit about what the court said then in response to the auto-dialer question. Yeah, so I think, um, as you alluded, the oral argument was a good indicator of, of where the court uh, was going to ultimately head. It, it suggested that the judges were uncomfortable with the approach that the FCC took, and that's ultimately what came out in the opinion. So um, the opinion was, I think, much more straightforward than a lot of people had anticipated. I think there was speculation that there would be multiple parts and dissents from certain parts and concurrences, but it actually ended up being a unanimous opinion of, of the three-judge panel. Um on on all the issues, but we're, since we're focusing on the auto dialer, um, what they said was that the FCC's justification for this broad reach um, and trying to encompass this modern dialing equipment, um, it just it didn't hold water in their minds. Um, and they actually used the phrase "eye popping" to describe the uh, the definition of auto dialer in that it would encompass hundreds of millions of Americans when the TCPA was enacted, I think, to address hundreds of thousands of telemarketers and really abusive, um, specific abusive practices that we'll get into later. So, And they seem to be concerned it, was, it would cover, at least as the commission defined it and described it, it would cover virtually every type of caller, at least potentially could. Um, now, the commission reserved, remember, case-by-case case adjudication, so they would decide some of these things and maybe narrow this issue later. But court wasn't satisfied with that. Um, what else? But part of the commission's justification, though, Jenny, was that, hey, look, there have been a lot of technological developments, and we have to address those technological developments and update, if you will, our um, our definition, which is something we will see again in a, in a few minutes. But how did the, what did the court say about that particular part of it? So there was some interesting language in the opinion about trying to apply a statute that, again, was enacted in 1991 to dialing technology and equipment that has evolved significantly since then. And actually, the court made the point that, well, perhaps Congress did not intend for the the auto dialer provision to to apply in perpetuity was their language. So, uh, you know, seemed to hint that perhaps Congress should take up the issue. But um, the the approach that the FCC took made the court uncomfortable in terms of expanding the scope. All right. Okay. All right. So we're back at the FCC. The court has remanded it back. All right. Um, as is usual, the FCC issues a public notice setting forth some questions that it wants. 
uh, to have answered and wants to address. In addition, there was a petition filed by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and their Institute for Public um, uh, Public legal Reform, reform. Legal Reform, sorry, Institute for Legal Reform, um, and they were joined by another 17 co-petitioners to raise these questions, and theirs was focused exclusively on the auto-dialer. Um, it really set up, I think, three topics for parties to address, and we're going to try to give you a little bit of flavor of what had happened on these three topics. The first one is... What functions must a device be able to perform in order to qualify as an autodialer or an ATDS? Then the second one is how the commission should interpret that term capacity as the capacity to perform these functions. And then the third one was about um, human intervention. This idea had come up before from the commission that it's not an autodialer or an automatic dialer if there is some degree of human intervention in placing the call, although then that wasn't entirely clear. So the commission for the third topic here says, how should we re relate or understand human intervention as it addresses the definition of what is an autodialer? Yeah, so this proceeding received actually a fair number of comments. It was upwards of 75 um, in response to the public notice. Um, and a lot of the comments, particularly those that, that addressed the auto-dialer issue, which was almost all of them, as you can imagine, um, offered very detailed statutory analysis. Uh, they would focus on a single word or a punctuation point, which I'll talk about in a little bit, um, to, to point to support for their particular interpretation of the term autodialer. So uh, if we want to start from, say, the consumer side, right, there were kind of two camps of, of comments. I mean, there were actual consumers, but then there are consumer advocates. Um, and then on the other side, we have industry. So we'll start on the consumer side. And I think probably the best example of uh, sort of the consumer side of the autodialer issue came up in the National Consumer Law Center's comments. Um, I think they filed on behalf of... I don't remember the exact number of organizations, but they had a long list of multiple organizations. <laughs> of again. organizations, yeah, that that they uh, had sign on to their comments, and they were they were lengthy. They were seventy plus pages, so um, they got into a very detailed legal analysis. Um, so on the question of what is an auto dialer, they looked at the statutory language. They latched onto this phrase "store or produce." And they argue that that, that store. I'm sorry, just oh, I'm store sorry. <laughs> or produce using a random number or sequential number generator. Yes, right. Okay. Yeah, sorry. The part A of the capacity or of the auto dialer definition, um, and they argued that the mere storage of phone numbers on a particular device or piece of equipment would make that equipment an auto dialer, and therefore within the scope of the TCPA, um, they said that storing and producing are mutually exclusive functions. So to require a piece of equipment to do both um, sort of renders the, the language of the statute null and void. So they were asking for this unique distinction. It either stores or it produces numbers using a random or sequential number generator. And that's not something that I had seen much of before. I don't know if you and your experience have seen a ton of that argument made before, but um, I found it very interesting and, again, sort of latches onto this very narrow piece of the statute. Right. Yeah. No, it is a um, – I mean, th some of the themes that came out of the consumer comments were, you know, the FCC needs to have a broad definition. It needs to incorporate modern dialing equipment, et cetera. I mean, the part of this, an underlying piece, and we'll talk a little bit more later on this, is that what the industry has said is that the TCPA was narrowly targeted. Uh, Chairman Pai suggested this whenever he dissented in 2015, that 
we were dealing in 1991 with a specific type of technology, um, and in particular, ones that caused a significant amount of harm. That is, equipment that would dial numbers that were random or would um, dial sequential blocks of numbers in a row. And there, there were two different types of harms that came from that. The random numbers would hit uh, numbers that weren't publicized, hospitals, you know, patient rooms, and things like that. Those that, that weren't out there, 911 call centers could be hit if you dialed randomly. Um, and with respect to the sequential number dialing, what would happen if you were a business of any size, you would get hit with that first call and then you would know that your next 20 or 50 or 100 calls or whatever it was were going to be the same auto dialer over and over again going one step through these things. So that was what you know, prompted, the FC, prompted Congress to enact the TCPA and what largely industry is saying, hey, you know, this is what it should cover now um, and leave the rest to something else. But, but so here the consumer groups are saying, no, 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 that – you know, while that might have been something then, right, if if it produces using those random number generators, yes, that's covered. So that old stuff is still covered. But this idea of storage and storage only um, has a pretty broad reach then. It covers all dialing equipment, uh, covers predictive dialers, it covers a lot of different things. Um, and potentially still cover smartphones. So we'll talk about that as it goes through here. Yeah. Um, so... Speaking of covering smartphones, um, one of the other arguments that the National Consumer Law Center made was also to essentially try to get the FCC to reinstate the definition of capacity that they adopted in 2015, but with the carve-out for smartphones. Um, They took the position that the court's issue with the 2015 ruling was not this notion of present versus future capacity. They really seem to think that the court would be satisfied if you carved out smartphones because so much of of what the court was concerned about was roping in individual non-assuming smartphone users. And so what they said was, we'll do that again (laughs) and maybe expressly carve out smartphones this time. Um, You know, what what essentially what they said was, um, when you look at the definition of capacity, it inherently, just based on the plain definition of, of capacity in the dictionary, it inherently contemplates potential or future. Um, it can't just be the present capacity. And so the way you get around what the court was concerned about was to carve out smartphones. That's the argument that the consumer advocates made. Yeah, but the, I mean, the problem for the industry on that is that you can't then say with any kind of confidence what is or isn't covered. You have no uh, no protection, no way of saying, okay, I'm going to design my equipment so that it is not an auto-dialer because I don't want to be auto-dialing. That's not the intent here. Um, and when you look at the future ability to uh, – the future functionalities that can be added, um, there really is not a clear line as to where that is. Um, yes, the court said, well, you know, we're not going to spend too much time on present versus – uh, future capacity, but that was really because they found the FCC's overall interpretation just to be way too broad. I don't think it's fair to say that that was licensed to just readopt the same capacity argument and say, look, you know, the possibility of future changes to this is going to justify this being uh, treated as a 
ATDS or an auto dialer. No, and I would agree with that. I think given Chairman Pai's dissent from the 2015 order, he really took issue with the potential capacity definition. So I think that if his prior statements are any indication, they will focus more on present capacity when you're talking about defining that term and whether equipment comes into the scope based on that term. All right. All right. So let's jump Let's jump to human intervention and yes. then let's talk a little bit about um, kind of overall where this goes. Yeah. So um, NCLC, National Consumer Law Center, also took up the issue of human intervention that you alluded to. Um, and what was interesting about what they said was they really focused on the fact that there are apparently entities out there that will use equipment that specifically requires some level of human intervention. I think they called it a a preview dialer. I, I can't remember the exact term. Um, but that ultimately requires a person to click a button before you dial the phone number. And they suggested that there are entities out there that use that type of equipment specifically because it takes them outside the scope of auto dialer. And the FCC needs to be aware of this and take some sort of action to address that practice. It's kind of interesting because it, it's sort of, you know, this is, it's typical in a lot of our, our political discourse these days, I guess. You know, people see the same thing and have completely polar opposite viewpoints on those. I mean, the the consumer groups labeled this type of equipment or or the fact that there would be human intervention decisions made as to whether or not to call as being evasions of the TCPA rather than being um, activities that were outside of that automated or automatic dialing capabilities. Um, you know, it takes away the judgment. In my, my example of right, the business that was going to get 50 calls in a row, with an automated system with no human intervention, all 50 of those numbers are going to be called. Um, at some level, with some degree of human intervention, it may not be all 50 of those numbers get called. And, you know, I think that's an important distinction. That's not something that um, the consumer groups, uh, you know, they didn't see that as a realistic concern. They said, no, there's all these people that are manufacturing these things to avoid, um, evade the TCPA, but still bombard us with thousands of calls. Right. Well, and I mean, that sort of gets to the point of some of the more specific issues that they raised with with certain calls that are being made. So things like uh, like telemarketing, they had a whole section on abusive telemarketing practices. And, and another one that was really interesting was debt collection. Um, so, you know, the, the point that they made about uh, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act and how it doesn't cover a lot of the debt collection calls that are made to consumers, um, specifically because of the carve-out for um, efforts made by creditors to collect their own debts. Um, and so they say, well, the TCPA is the principal law to provide protections uh, to consumers. Um, you know, and again, they they sort of make this general supposition that all unwanted calls from a consumer perspective are illegal, um, and the FCC needs to sit up and pay more attention from their perspective. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost going to turn this into sort of like industry versus, uh, you know, uh, consumer groups. You know, but but on, but on this, I just want to comment on this and talk a little bit about this um, because, you know, what what struck me about that position is that. The consumer groups see the TCPA as the last and the final backstop for everything that is annoying or abusive or unwanted. And there are other statutes out there. You know, the Fair Debt, Debt Collection Practices Act is just one of those. Um, it, you know, in, in other podcasts on enforcement, we've talked about um, 
that the FCC's robocalling enforcement actions have been over spoofing, right. not over the actual TCPA violations. Right, and that's this. a different statute. That's the Truth and Color ID Act. Right, right, right. So there's other things out there, but the, the consumer groups are urging this broad interpretation so that the TCPA sort of covers everything that is annoying or abusive. And I, you know, that just seems to me as, as a step too far here. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the commission deals with that. I think it's going to be a tough road with this commission and these commissioners who have tipped their hand at least so far on this for them to be convinced that they need to go that route specifically um, in order to protect against unwanted calls or reduce unwanted calls. All right, so that's, that's a lot about what the consumer groups have said on this. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about industry. We, we, we covered a few pieces of the industry's comments on this, um, but I think that you know, we ought to outline at least kind of the basics of the way the chamber has asserted this. Um, and um, what they have recommended um, and they and others in the industry have recommended with respect to um, the, the way the language should be interpreted here. Yeah, so, I mean, an easy way to conceptualize this if you want to talk about consumer versus industry because that's essentially what this comment cycle showed is is how it was going to shake out. Um, but basically, anything that the consumers suggested, the industry almost took the polar opposite view, <laughs> which is not to say good or bad. That's just kind of how the, the comments shook out. Um, and so from the industry perspective, from the U.S. Chamber petition perspective, um, what they wanted was for the FCC to adopt a very sort of narrow, tailored definition of auto-dialer, um, focusing on Again, looking very closely at the language of the statute, which is you brought up earlier, how parties can see the exact same language and interpret it two completely different ways. Um, so, and in particular on capacity, um, they really urge the FCC to take up what Chairman Pai had advocated in 2015, which is present capacity, which is functions that are actually present in the equipment at the time a particular call is made. And I know we're not getting into this too much today, but they also did advocate for um the TCPA to only apply if that auto dialer functionality is used for a particular call. Separate issue, but <laughs> right, yeah, separate, separate issue and, and a whole another long podcast if we get to that. But it's it's interesting. I mean, what I want to point out is that um, what the industry has has proposed is to take that language literally and narrowly um, as it relates, in particular, to um, using random or sequential number generators. And the way the industry sees that language is that you can, uh, the equipment must be able to produce those um, numbers using the, that generator or store after having generated those. And, and one or two of those would be enough to make this um, an ATDS. And then part B, you have to actually dial the calls on the same equipment. So, um, but, but to the, to the industry, right, it's not the commission's job to update the law or to make sure it covers all modern dialing equipment or all abusive practices that are out there. I mean, the, what the industry really is saying is, say, look, this is a 1991 statute. There were certain types of harm. There were certain types of equipment. Commission should be faithful to that. That is what they should cover. If there is more to be done, it raises the question, okay, well, who should do it, right? That's really, I think, the 
the fight over this? Is it is it the FCC that should be doing that updating and finding out what you know better balances consumers' concerns, or is it Congress? Or is that really the concern for Congress? Um, yeah, no, that's a really interesting question, but. Um one sort of side note that I would add on that is that there was actually a comment filed that I would not have expected um, from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau um, that went in. And they sort of talked about their that agency's own difficulties in enforcing the statute that they primarily enforce, which is the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Um, that statute was enacted in, in 1977. It's even older than the TCPA. They made the point that at the time the statute was enacted, all debt collection was being done via manually dialed calls. But but since then, there have been all these technological updates that have made it cheaper and easier for debt collectors to use modern technology. So they appreciated the FCC's efforts on this front. Um, and they also mentioned that they have a rulemaking open to consider the proper use of, of modern technology, specifically in the context of, of debt collection calling. So it seems the FCC is not alone in this question of whether it's within their statutory purview or whether Congress should um, should take up the baton and, and be the leader on this issue. But um, I think as I read the CFPB's comments, I think they view their proceeding as sort of complementary to the FCC and dealing with a lot of the same issues. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And that, you know, that raises the question of of Congress. I mean, it's it's always been working in the background, even since 2015. I remember Chairman Wheeler at the time adopting that order saying, basically, if you don't like this, go to Congress, not to us. Um, and, um, you know, now we have more parties saying, hey, well, maybe Congress should be involved here. Um, I expect there's going to be a lot there, but there is at least one noteworthy attempt that is um, at least has started on this. And, and Jenny, why don't you talk us a little bit about that one? Yeah, so this was very recently uh, introduced legislation by Representative Pallone of New Jersey. Um, this is called the Stop Stopping Bad Robocalls Act. Um, we are expecting uh, companion legislation in the Senate. I haven't checked that this past couple of days to see if it's been introduced, but I think it was expected. Um, and what's interesting is um, this bill proposes to eliminate the current definition of auto dialer ATDS from the TCPA and replace it with a whole new provision that would actually encompass almost all automatic dialing with a carve out for systems that require a substantial amount of additional human intervention to dial or place the call. So I'm not sure if the industry would view this as a ask and ye shall receive type solution or a be careful what you wish for. And we'll certainly have to wait to see what happens with it. Um, but it is. It, it shows that Congress is sitting up. They're paying attention. Um, I think this is an issue that perhaps they're more poised to take on than in years past. But we'll just have to wait and see right. how it shakes out. Right. Yeah. And that. And that's not a. That's not an easy road. It's not easy to get anything through Congress these days. But you know, something with um, very you know, charged parties on both sides of it can be extremely difficult. But um, but we should see that. It, it's definitely. Worth noting that after we go through all this discussion about auto dialers and everything else and the FCC might come up with its interpretation, it's still possible that Congress is going to say, you know what, we got a whole new approach and we're going to start over. Yeah, because all the all the talk today is about robocalls, which is not necessarily the same as an auto dial call. There is, you know, a legal technical distinction. But again, from a political perspective, it's it's all kind of under that same umbrella. So maybe this is the solution to that. <laughs> That's a whole new topic, right? Robocall yeah. <laughs> used to mean – to me, at least, used to mean pre-recorded call. And now it means something different than Well, there's that. a connotation, certainly, that's <laughs> built around it. 
Yeah, it is. Okay. All right. So that's a that's a pretty lengthy uh, discussion here. We uh, appreciate you listening to us. Uh, as we said, we intend to uh, continue to follow this. Um, we also will uh, dig more deeply into some of the other issues that are raised by the TCPA in front of the FCC. And um, so stay tuned and listen for those. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. The views and ideas expressed on this program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or ideas held by Kelly Dry and Warren LLP, its staff, or management.